Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA Editor for the Washington Post. Uh, here today with, I, I at this point I've lost track of what to call my friend Nick Friedel. I would call him, uh, I guess, ESPN NBA reporter because I can't really say he covers the Bulls anymore. And uh, I can't really say he covers any other team because he's covering, I think, half the league and uh, never <laughs> living in Chicago anymore. I know you're in Chicago right now, Nick. What? what how many days have you been in Chicago since... It's April 3rd, since March 1st. Oh, man. Since March 1st, I'd probably say... Is it over 10? No, no. I'd probably say like six or seven. I've been I've been jumping all over the place. Now, so people, to give people quick backstory in case they could, don't know, Nick's covered the Bulls for a long time. The Bulls obviously are not good anymore. So he's now branching out and uh, doing great work around a bunch of teams. But that also means... He has to travel a lot and move around the country a lot. And uh, I was just curious. I mean, you, I mean, it's not like you're not used to traveling for being from covering the league and doing stuff. But what uh, how difficult has it been on you, uh, you know, like physically to just have to be seemingly in another city almost every single day? <laughs> well, Timmy, the, the thing that I, I remind myself all the time. And, and you and I have discussed this for years, is no matter how many different airports or, or crazy Marriott's that I've been in uh, over the course of this year, especially in the last couple of months, they're still paying us to watch basketball. That's right. <laughs> I tell people that all the time. So the, the, job is, the job itself is still awesome. I, I do really enjoy it. But as far as like having any kind of rhythm or attempting to stay in shape and not eat a cheeseburger at 2 a.m., I'm struggling with that. <laughs> and I was struggling with that when I was just doing the Bulls. So I am, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, getting myself onto, uh, onto a, a better, a better uh, routine here at some point after uh, the postseason ends. But, yeah, I mean, that, that is the crazy part of, of this season on a, on a personal level for me because I, I really liked – bouncing around and, and getting to, to know more uh, people around the league with these different teams. But I just laugh because I'm like, you know, they, I was in California the last week. I'm like, I'm in California and they're paying me to watch basketball and to talk to people. I mean, this is still cool, although I hate waking up early for these flights. That drives me nuts. But uh, you know what? Uh, it's all it's all in uh, it's all in a day's work, and you do what you got to do, as we know. And uh, you know, I've uh, I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed the process. <laughs> I mean, I, I think Philly Philly I think is the one team that you're not being around, but I'm, I'm glad you're able to work them in. Uh, no, listen, I, like you said, I mean, we have great jobs, so I tell people all the time, I'll, I'll let me know when I actually have a job, or right. a real job. So right. At this point, at this point, I do not, but. Uh, you know, right now, you you the, the team I saw you with, you know, when you were in California last week, even though neither of us are there now, is the Bucks, who uh, are in are in a pretty interesting uh, place. I'm writing a column today. Uh, should be up by the time this podcast is up about uh, Jabari Parker and um, how he you know has gone from a guy who was a key part of the future there to someone that you know I'm not sure is part of the future there anymore, given the, the kind of numbers he could get this summer in free agency. Um, you spent a lot of time around the box this season. You know, what is just as, as we come down the stretch here and it looks like they should make the playoffs. What is kind of your um, your thought on on where the franchise is right now 
heading into what I think is his, you know, maybe the most pivotal 18 months they've had, you know, really since Kareem was there in the mid seventies in terms of trying to figure out if they could build a team that's good enough to convince Giannis Antetokounmpo to stick around for the long term. Yeah. Yeah. I think this summer uh, to me is, it's just huge. (laughs) It's huge for that organization on top of the fact that they're moving into that new arena downtown uh, that, uh, it's created a lot of buzz within Milwaukee, but uh, they know how important both Giannis' future is and, uh, and the team itself being good, not only when they open it, but for, for years to come. So uh, to, to answer your question as far as where I think that team is, I've watched them off and on all year. I just don't think they're very good. I mean, I, I don't think, and this goes back to, you know, everybody was asking me when, when Jason Kidd got fired, is Jason Kidd a, a good coach? And, and you, of course, had time uh, with him in Brooklyn. Uh, I, I, I still don't know what the answer is there. Is he, is he the best coach I've ever seen? No. Is he the worst coach I've ever seen? No. I, I think he's just kind of in the middle somewhere. And I always believed, even when they fired Kidd, <laughs> the roster was not good enough to, to get to some next level right now. Uh, when I watch them, I see Giannis. I think he's incredible. I think he's a top five player in the league. And then I see a bunch of guys who I'm not sure fit together. Uh, Middleton is a nice player, uh, but, you know, is he a, a difference maker every night? No. Eric Bledsoe, I mean, my gosh, I, I had a, a conniption the other night uh, <laughs> watching the end of that, that Lakers game at Staples. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't know how many people had a chance to watch that one, but uh, there's 35 seconds left in regulation, uh, and Eric Bledsoe doesn't pass and jacks up a three that misses, and then Middleton grabs the rebound, doesn't pass, jacks up a contested three that misses, and the game goes into overtime. And Mr. Bontemps, we're we're missing a key sentence here. Giannis Antetokounmpo <laughs> did not touch the ball. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, that is a big problem. And, and whomever the coach is to replace Joe Prunty coming in the summer, of course, that's a huge decision. But watching that whole sequence, I, I was just shaking my head. So uh, do, I, do I believe with a better coach that uh, they can get a few more wins? Sure. I mean, I, with, a, with a system in place and, and everybody playing the right way, I think they can be better. I just don't believe with the roster they have that they're going to suddenly go from the the 8 seed, 7 seed wherever they land at the end of this year uh, assuming they don't they don't blow up here and lose a bunch of games uh, to finish to to going into like the third or fourth slot uh, next season. I think there are a ton of questions and at the forefront of those questions is what are they going to do with Jabari uh, as you referenced before. Yeah, I mean I, I think there's, you know, there's to me I'm with you. You you look at the you look at the roster right now, and you know Eric Bledsoe is a good player, but he, I don't think he's a great fit with Giannis, given he's not a a great shooter. Um, you, you Chris Middleton has developed into a real nice piece on the wing. I think he is a guy who can fit well with Giannis uh, in the right situation. But the rest of the the rest of their roster is not is not a great in terms of being set up to play with him long term and. You know, to me, there are two swing points with them. One is this summer with Jabari, and you know, do they keep Jabari and hope that he really develops into that second, you know, second star type guy that you know was looked at times for his injuries that he might be able to be, um, and or do they 
kind of pivot to the summer of 2019 when there's a lot of free agents available and try to have a ton of cap space available then, which they will if they don't give Jabari a huge deal, um, to then go sign, you know, maybe a Kemba Walker and somebody else and really try to, you know, get a, get a piece or two with the new arena, with the new practice facility they have, with obviously Giannis on the team, um, to build, you know, to, to have pieces that do fit around him a little better. And yeah. you have, you know, a team that is kind of a, that, that is able to compete for, um, you know, conference finals, at least in the East. Um, you know, I think that, I think that's kind of, that's why to me, these next 18 months are so pivotal for them because, uh, you know, they're going to have, they're going to have a couple big decisions to make in terms of what they do. And, you know, depending on how that path, how they follow that path, it could either lead them to a position where they're looking great going into that second to last year, Giannis's deal, where, you know, they've got a team that's one of the three best in the East and he has no reason not to stick around. Um, or they could be in a similar situation to where they are now where they're kind of, you know, an okay to good team, but not a great team and somewhere from five to eight in the East. And then, you know, maybe he goes, you know what? I don't really want to commit right now to spending my prime in Milwaukee. And then at that point, you know, the Bucks are kind of in a doomsday situation. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> right. right. That's a, that's a big uh-oh right there. Uh, I, let's, let's, let's work through a few of these here. Sure. If I'm, if I am the Bucks this summer, I'm flatly. I'm not re-signing Jabari. Uh, and see, I think I'm with you there too. I, I think that's kind of where I think that's kind of where I come down on it. Now, what? Let me ask you this: What is a number? What What is the number you would re-sign him at? Is there a number? <sighs> it's a good question. I for me, for me, and, and it's got to be, and it has to be a realistic number that he'd consider to sign to. It right, like, right. Like I mean, if you could get him for the mid-level exception, sure, but he's not going to sign. That. Yeah, it ain't going to happen, right? So, so it, with with that as the context, for me, I don't think I resign him because if you're saying, all right, you know, is he going to take one year, eight or nine million? I mean, he's not. He's going to get uh, some some bigger offers, you would think. And and look, everybody has uh, has a past. There are there are biases uh, all over the place. And for me, I think part of the reason, and and you know, full disclosure, Timmy, as you know, I've watched Jabari since he was in high school at Simeon in yep. Chicago. I mean, yep. I've I've watched him for a long time, uh, and I, I like him a lot. I like his game. But if you've had two ACL injuries, man, I I, I just don't know how you can commit multi million dollars uh, worth of a contract and think, all right, you know what. Uh, one, this guy's going to be a player that's going to going to change things for us. And two, he's going to stay healthy over the course of entire NBA seasons. I mean, I'm I am on a personal level, having watched Jabari and and uh, and liking him. Uh, I, I think that uh, you know, I think it'd be great if he can stay healthy and he can do it. I, but if I'm running a, an NBA team, especially the Bucks, after the last few years, I'm not investing uh, in his future. So. With that said, I, you know they have to decide whatever they're going to do. But the other, the other big keys here, as you figure out what's going on with the Bucks, their draft picks have been bad. I mean, Don Maker has not panned out the way they wanted him to. Uh, DJ Wilson, uh, the kid from Michigan, has not he, played. Yeah, I mean, he, he really hadn't done anything. Their second rounders have been good. I, I have to say. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon had a nice rookie year last year. Sterling Brown has been good this year. Right, um, but, and, but, but but it doesn't. You know, if it, I mean, in that. That helps, but if you're, you know, if you have a pick at ten that doesn't look great, you have a pick at seventeen or eighteen that doesn't look great. You know, that kind of balances that out. Right, 
Exactly. And and the issue there is like if you're banking on Malcolm Brogdon and Sterling Brown again to be difference makers, like everybody points to, oh, Brogdon won the, the rookie of the year. Okay, I got it. I got it. <laughs> he won the rookie of the year. Good for him and, and good for the Bucks. Are you telling me that Malcolm Brogdon is a, a, a future piece of everything that you want to accomplish? I mean, I, I, I'm not seeing that either. I, I think those guys, nice... are both, those guys are both nice rotation pieces, which are exactly. great, which are great picks in the second round. The difference would be if, if the Bucks even had two guys that you were sure would be rotation players in the first round and you had four rotation players the last two drafts, you'd feel great about it. Um, the fact right. that they have two guys that you feel really good about being rotation players and two guys that, you know, I mean, Wilson, I mean, it's still, he's a young guy. It's early. Same with Thon Maker. Like it's early with those guys to know if they're going to be good or not. But, you know, Thon has really regressed this year. And, you know, the fact that, that Wilson hasn't been able to play at all on a team that could use some spacing and some, some scoring, uh, you know, I think has to be some cause for concern. Right. And, and, uh, and to that point, the other issues now are we mentioned Bledsoe. I, I mean, Timmy, I think that deal was bad for the Bucks. Looking back, because I don't believe that Bledsoe fits with Giannis, and you've got you've got Bledsoe locked in for another year, and you've given up your first round pick uh, yep. to Phoenix to get him. Yep. <laughs> so, so there's another uh, a lack of uh, an ability to to grow from the draft this year, unless you make some kind of other deal. But the other thing that I think is really going to hurt the Bucks long term, you signed Tony Snell for forty-eight million dollars. <laughs> forty-eight million dollars. Uh, like I, I just, I, I cannot believe that that is uh, that that is the case. I mean, I'll tell, to- I'll tell you what though. I'll tell you what though. Analytically, yeah. Tony Snell is solid, right? I've well, just- well, it's not even that analytically solid. In a league where there are no wing players, right? There are there are just no there are there are not enough wing players to go around. If you have a six eight guy who is hitting forty one percent of his threes and can play some decent defense, twelve million a year for him is not a terrible deal, and I think they could move him pretty easily if they wanted to. So I don't think I don't think I, I understand where you're coming from. I just don't think I don't think that contract is is the one I would focus on. The ones the ones I would look at are the John Henson and Matthew Delvadova contracts, which are oh, right, you're right. paying you're paying oh, those guys oh, you know combined twenty one million dollars this year, twenty million dollars next year, and uh about nineteen and a half million in nineteen twenty. Um you know and you know and they're expiring deals at that point so maybe the bucks can move off them for another pick this year if they want to open up more space to really attack that 2019 free agency class but to your point you know if you're looking at um if you're looking at spending uh you know if you're looking at spending 20 million dollars a year on two guys that are you know borderline rotation players you know that's not that's not great especially when like we just talked about right i mean Malcolm Brogdon i know he's been hurt this year but is a solid backup point guard so right. that's what you signed Matthew Delvadova to do. Now you have a guy that's probably as good as him making, you know, this year and next year a combined two and a half million dollars. <laughs> right. Delvadova's making pays, nine and a half. I was gonna say that pays Delvadova for like two months. <laughs> right. Right. So I, I mean I, I I understand where you're coming from on Snell, but I, I think that, that like to me of those three contracts, you could move I think you get could get an asset back for Snell of some kind. Um, I, I don't think you could get anything back for Henson or for Delvadova, which is why the Bucks spent, you know, months 
you know, if you talk to people around the league trying to move Henson to Mirza Toledovich before his, uh, you know, blood clotting condition came back or Delvadova around the league to try to get some of the money off their books going for him. Uh, all points are well taken. I, and again, from from prior years, I think part of it is I have fresh in my mind watching that game at Staples <laughs> where, <laughs> where after watching years of Tony in, in Chicago, I watched him miss, you know, three or four open threes, miss a dunk. And I'm going, oh, boy. Like, here we go again. So uh, the the conversation leads back to the the same issues for the Bucks. Uh, They haven't made really solid decisions uh, in in free agency. Uh, They haven't hit, at least recently, the last few years on their draft picks. And when you do that, especially in a small market, uh, the microscope is, is just gigantic. And on top of everything, they've got this world class player who just got featured on 60 Minutes, who is one of the faces of the game at 23 years old, and you're trying desperately, uh, even now, to do whatever you can to keep him. And we're talking about Delavadova, Henson, and Snell as these <laughs> as these big uh, big time free agent acquisitions. I mean, look, this is this is why this is this is the path you go down when you lose a star. As, as we're talking through all this, you've got uncertainty with the coaching staff. Uh, you've got a point guard who doesn't like to pass the ball that much. I mean, you, for, as, for as happy as Bucks fans are, and, you know, having, having been around enough of them and watched on Twitter, I don't think there are a ton of happy Bucks fans right now, Mr. Bontemps. But for, for as, as happy as a playoff burst should make them, all the questions that are coming in the near future uh, as we've gone through here, those are heavy, uh, and and those should be uh, giving the, the front office a lot of, of cause for concern heading into the next couple seasons. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean that, and that that's why you know Jabari is the first inflection point this summer. I mean his qualifying offer, I think, would be um, you know somewhere around ten million. I don't know exactly what the number would be, and it, it wouldn't it wouldn't stun me if he signs for the qualifying offer, which honestly for Milwaukee, I think, would probably be the best case scenario. Right. Um, that yeah. His market yeah. doesn't really materialize. I mean, they offered him three for 54 before the season. He wasn't interested. I think he looks at the contracts that Joel Embiid and Andrew Wiggins got, you know, the first and third picks in that same draft that were, you know, around $150 million in guaranteed money and says, you know, I'm as good as those guys, which I can understand why he would think that, um, particularly in the Wiggins situation. Um, oh. And, oh. and even... And even any and even uh, which we'll get to him in a minute. And even uh, and even Embiid. I mean, Embiid missed two entire seasons with injury. It's not like we're conv- and he played thirty-one games last year and then got one hundred fifty million dollars, right? So if you're Jabari Parker, I could see you going, "Hey, I know I've had two ACLs, but I mean, I'm I've I have I, you know at no worse than the same injury history as Joel Embiid, so I should be getting paid." Um, and that that's why to me his summer's going to be fascinating. You look around and you know, could a team like the Hawks? or the Mavericks, or the Kings, or the Suns that needs uh, needs to take a swing on some talent, you know, offer him four for 80, or four for 90, or something, and say, hey, look, this guy was the second pick in the draft, he can really score, we're going to bring him in, if, you know, we'll have a medical team look at him, if we think he's going to be okay, it's worth taking a risk on a guy like that, because if he blows up, then we've got a top three pick that we didn't have to trade for, which nobody has to do, um, you know, but I think if they get to those kind of numbers, to me, I don't... I don't see how the Bucks could could resign him. To your point, because I I don't think they could risk 
you know, people would say, well, you can't lose Jabari for nothing. To me, they can't risk having him, uh, you know, like you said, either Plateau is kind of a nice sixth man, like he probably is right now coming off the injury, mm-hmm. um, or worst case scenario, get hurt again, and then you're stuck with a complete albatross contract in a small market where, you know, the Bucks, I think, are a team, even though they're in a small market, that is going to have a chance to sign some players in free agency next summer that's going to have the ability to say, hey, you could come play with one of the five best players in the league entering his prime. You know, if you're a guy like Kemba Walker, you know, who I think would be a great fit with Giannis game-wise, um, you know, you've been toiling away in Charlotte with no help. If you hit free agency and you're like, hey, I could go play with Giannis, I mean, that, that'd be pretty intriguing. Um, but if you've got 20 to $25 million on the books for Jabari, that's a star-level player that you're not going to be able to sign. Um, and and it could really just gum up the works and not allow them to really do any of the kind of moves they need to, to get to a point where they're going to be able to convince Giannis that this is the right place to be for the long term. Right, and in in summing up the the Jabari conversation, Timmy, here I think this is the key. If if Jabari wants to come back for a year on that make good deal, the qualifying offer, as you said, for ten million, you know, okay, you see you see what can happen, and that's uh, that that is that is not financially going to crush Milwaukee. But the the other thing to consider here is the Pucks don't have a lot of cap space. <laughs> like on top of uh, this summer. We went through the Delavadova deal. The oh, this deal. summer, this summer, their move is going to be their move is going to be. I think do stuff around the edges, try to sign some guys for cheap on one year deals, and and see what happens with Jabari because they are right. looking at twenty nineteen, and I I think that they you know to me um, that they're I'd be surprised if they sign any multi year deals this summer at all. I think yeah. it'll be I think it'll be let's see what happens with Jabari and the rest of it's gonna, you know, let's kind of play out the Bledsoe Middleton thing and see where we are, you know, at the end of next season and then go into the summer knowing what our future is going to look like. And, and there, and there's, I think there is the problem for Milwaukee because whether or not they bring back Jabari having, again, having watched this team a lot this year, I don't care who the coach is. (laughs) I don't care who comes in. I think a coach can make them a few games better, but I don't like this roster. I don't like the composition of uh, of guys who are uh, who can help Giannis uh, long term. So I just feel like a year from right now, you and I are going to be having the same conversation. Like, oh, what do the Bucks do now? There's only two years left on Giannis's deal. <laughs> like, here we go. Uh, I think that they have got to find some way to get out of what they're in right now, uh, and that's going to take some creativity from. Uh, you know, the front office personnel, John Horace, the GM, finding some other way uh, to 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 get some energy back within that team, aside from just hiring a new coach, because I don't believe this roster is good enough to get them anywhere close to where they want to go. Who, who do you think who do you think the favorite in the clubhouse is to be the new coach? Is there one? <sighs> I, I don't know if there is one right now, but, you know, I, I, I think there's got to be a coach who can connect with Giannis. Uh, there's got to be a guy who, I mean, you and I were talking about this when we were watching the Bucks the other day. <laughs> if, if I'm the Bucks, I don't know if I sit Giannis in on every interview, but uh, the the two or three guys that uh, that I'm thinking about, I'm having him talk to uh, and seeing what he thinks. I mean, Monty Williams has always come across as uh, a player's coach uh, and a guy who can, uh, you know, get guys in the right places to succeed you know I, I've heard a lot of people ask about David Fisdale after his year plus in Memphis another players coach a guy who uh, has a, a good reputation with some of the biggest stars in the league but 
uh, for for uh, a few different reasons. Just it didn't work in Memphis. So uh, I would look towards a guy who who can connect with uh, the, all the players on the roster. But that's all well and good. You need a guy who can connect with Giannis, and you need a guy who Giannis believes in. So uh, whoever that is, Timmy, they got to find him because, as we know, especially in the new era of the NBA that we're in. It's all about the stars. The stars are going to make the <laughs> the important decisions, and they need to do everything in their power to keep Giannis happy. Yep. It's hard to, uh, hard to argue with that. And that, you know, that's what the next couple of years are going to be about, and then we'll see what he does in 2020 when he can sign that Supermax contract extension and figure out what his next step is going to be. But uh, speaking of teams with uh, – with locked in rosters, let's go to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I thought Kyle. you were going to say with players, coaches. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to look at it. Uh, so the the Wolves are forty four and thirty four. They have a couple days off here before they play an absolutely massive game uh, against the Denver Nuggets in Denver on uh, on Thursday night. Um, you know, game that, you know, if they win that game, you know, Denver plays Indiana tonight at home, another game Denver has to win. Denver wins that game. They'll be, you know, there'll be one game back of the Wolves going into that game. Absolutely massive uh, game. Wolves half a game ahead of the, the Pelicans for set in seventh place in the Western Conference. Um, currently slated to play the Warriors in the first round of the playoffs. And, um, you know, the, the, the question now is when will Jimmy Butler be back? It sounds like fairly soon. Um, you know, I think he think he practiced, you know, he's done some practice, I believe, the last couple of days. Um, you know, what after what's been a pretty rough stretch here for the for the for the Wolves, how are you feeling about them as we enter into these final days of, uh, you know, of what could be, you know, a pretty tense finish for a team that desperately needs to make the playoffs? Oh, yeah. Uh, and. Timmy, we we've been we've been hitting on the wolves throughout the season. My, my viewpoint on them has not changed. I mean, I, I'm just I'm not buying what I'm seeing. I'm not buying that this is a team that is is really on the up and up here. Uh, I have never believed that Wiggins uh, and Towns were were as great as people made them out to be uh, before the season. I think Jimmy Butler has covered up a lot of flaws uh, on that team uh, on a variety of levels. He and Taj Gibson, especially on the defensive end, I mean, without those two guys, at least it would be even worse than, than it's been. And it's been bad defensively all year. So, I, you know, for all the hope and promise that the, the Timberwolves had early in the year and even out of the all-star break a little bit, then Jimmy gets hurt. It's like, well, uh-oh. Towns and Wiggins have to have to take the next step. They've got to do more. Uh, right now, they're, they're just not capable of it. Uh, and look, Towns is an, an incredible offensive player. The issue for Towns is that if you want to be a superstar in the league, you got to bring it every night, and you got to bring it in all facets of the game. And I've watched the Timberwolves a lot this year. I don't see that from him right now, especially defensively. And with Wiggins, I oh. Man, I mean, look, I love Tibbs. I've uh, I've been around him for years now, both in Chicago and in Minnesota. I I You're basically part of the family now. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he thinks the same thing. Uh, <laughs> look, the if I'm Tom and I'm looking at Andrew Wiggins' contract on the computer screen or wherever you know 
in the binder with all the cap numbers, I'm getting sick to my stomach. I mean, I, I just, I cannot believe, and it wasn't that the, if the Timberwolves didn't do that deal to me, as we know, somebody else would have. I mean, right. The kid has a, a ton of talent. He's got a ton of talent. Well, let's just, just, let's just skip ahead. Let's just oh, skip ahead. Do you, do you think there's a chance he gets traded before next season? Yes, absolutely. I mean, if, you, if you've got Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, and Andrew Wiggins, the guy who's going to get moved uh, is Wiggins. The issue here is, because everybody keeps saying, you know, around the league, well, if you're going to trade somebody, you trade Wiggins. That's all well and good. But, Timmy, you tell me. What are they getting back for him? If you enjoyed this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash newsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash newsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. I feel like they could they could get some stuff back, but I, I just don't know. Again, like all it takes is one team that's willing to bet on Wiggins, right? And you got to think that there would be somebody willing to make that bet on him. But I, that's why, to me, I wonder how soon it is that that Tibbs makes that move. Because you know, for people that don't know, Jimmy Butler's a free agent a year from now, and right. and that that's why you know does does Tom wait and see? Um, you know, if Jimmy is 100% going to be back, and then do you move on from Wiggins? Do you try to move on from Wiggins sooner if you decide it doesn't work, or if you decide that, hey, we got to trade him because we don't think he's going to develop the way that we thought he was, and, you know, let's get something for him now? Um, you know, I, I, I do wonder because, you know, I, I think the fact that he signed to a long-term deal, even though it's big money, I, I think that does give you um, some flexibility because there will be teams that say, hey, we got this guy locked in for a long time. We don't have to worry about him leaving if he blows up, and we can, you know, if you're if somebody's trained for him, you kind of expect them to be like, hey, we think we can turn this guy into a pretty good player. Um, right. But again, what do you, uh, you know, what is the, um, what is the path there in terms of what can you get back? I think is the is the real question because you know if it's if if you're if if you're would it, would you be willing to get like three rotation players for him back to kind of like deepen out the roster? I think that would be a good trade, but I don't know if that's a trade that, say, Glenn Taylor would think is acceptable for a guy he just paid $150 million to. Absolutely, and and on top of that, if you and I have watched the Timberwolves and we know that Wiggins, you know, he plays he plays Cleveland and Toronto, he kicks everybody's ass, and then, you know, you, you have the random game against, like, let's take the Memphis game the other night. Huh? <laughs> how, is, how is Andrew Wiggins not destroying that team i said before last season he's going to be the next generation version of rudy gay and that 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 so far is feeling pretty prescient yeah yeah i mean you should have taken that one to vegas that was, <laughs> that, was that was pretty nice but look it but the point is if we know that there are times when he shows up but there are more times when he doesn't certainly the rest of the league knows that but rudy gay and rudy gay got traded twice on the same contract 
exactly. You know? So yeah, I, I mean, it does, it does, it that does feel to me, um, that does feel to me like the potential path of Wiggins. That's why I asked about this summer because I do wonder, um, you know, do they try to move him as soon as this summer, even though he's just going into the first year of that five year contract extension he signed, yeah. um, and and maybe try to reset it now. I mean, I think you know what it, what did you make of his comments recently about about wanting the ball more? Or, or whatever, the, the stuff that was reported to have been said that he said about wanting the ball more and not wanting to be the third option. I yeah, guess I look, say. I, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, if that's the case, Timmy, I think it's a good thing. <laughs> I really do. Because right. Wiggins, like, he, he just seems so kind of uh, off on his own uh, within the framework of, uh, of that locker room sometimes. I think guys like him, but he just, it's like, all right, is he into it today? You know, does he does he want to go out and try to dominate, or is he just kind of going through the motions? So if he's that frustrated, I, I think that's a, a good thing for him. But that has not presented itself on the floor enough uh, this year, because especially without without Jimmy on the floor, Towns and Wiggins needed to to carry that team, and it just it hadn't happened uh, enough here. And and you know, th- we're talking about Wiggins and. Towns has had some great games, and then Towns has kind of disappeared uh, in other games. The other key here, as we talk about Giannis, who has three years left, Timmy Jimmy Butler has a year left after this uh, this uh, season ends. No matter how it ends for the Timberwolves, one year. And I, I, I just unless he's going to get that, you know, that Mega Max. Uh, the deal that the Timberwolves can give him with the extra year, which I believe is guaranteed more, fifty million. Uh, you that know, does he, right. how how bad does he want to stay? How bad Jimmy, who, who has only ever talked about uh, you know wanting to win a title, and and look, he wants to be the man wherever he goes. He wants to be the guy. He doesn't want to be one A. He wants to be number one, trying to win a title. Uh, and that's a different conversation because for as great as Jimmy is, I don't know if he is. Uh, a great enough player to be the number one guy on a title team, which was going back in time what uh, the Bulls always believed was that he's great, but he was never going to get them to where they wanted to go. But all that aside, uh, if you're Jimmy and you're looking at what the the Timberwolves are doing here and you've seen now for a year playing with Towns and Wiggins, oh, man, how important is winning? Because I don't believe, and this is why I haven't been sold on the Timberwolves all year, I don't believe that Jimmy, as great as he is right now, in the prime of his career, uh, is going to have enough around him with Towns and Wiggins. I don't think that team is going to do anything of significance because I just don't think they're good enough. Yeah, well, I mean, look, and, and to me, the the real question there, it's, it's less about Wiggins than it is about um, – than it is about Carl Towns. And, you know, I see a lot of people complaining about Ty- about Carl Towns not getting enough shots a lot. And I, I agree with yeah. them that he needs the ball more. But I don't hear enough people saying, why isn't Carl Towns demanding the ball more? Like the other night when he shot 35 times and Jimmy Butler was out, it's like, yeah, like, okay, why isn't Carl Towns saying, give me the damn ball, I need the ball more? You never hear that. And I, I feel like that, I feel like that's one piece of the equation that's left out where, um, you know, he needs to be going to the point guard, the Jeff Teague or to Andrew Wiggins or to Jamal Crawford or whoever's out there and say, listen, I don't care how many times you want to shoot the ball. I need the ball more. Give me the damn ball. And if, if they won't give it to him, just go out to the three-point line and take the ball out of their hands and shoot a three, which he can do. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I I would – I mean, I, I think people rightly talk about how um, – rightly talk about how 
Uh, you know, Wiggins is kind of a flatliner, but I feel like Towns is a little too much in the same vein too. And he needs to get, you know, a little more, uh, a little more aggressive in terms of, um, in terms of going after the ball and getting his own shots. And that is, that is something that never seemed to fit uh, this season to me, to your point. I mean, Towns, Towns offensively, especially for a big man, has the ability to be unbelievable, and he wants to play for a long, long time in the league. Uh, but you're right. like There are just far too many times when he just kind of is going through the motions, uh, especially defensively. So uh, as for as much promise, uh, I mean, let's take it back two years ago, for as much promise as that, that Timberwolves job had, because that job, when it came open, uh, you know, Tibbs, Van Gundy, everybody wanted that job because they thought town with Towns and Wiggins, and then you're going to have some space to do some stuff, and then you acquire Jimmy. Oh man, this team is this team's going to be it. Uh, the reality is, and we've seen it throughout the year, unless Towns and Wiggins in, in the next year, year and a half, make some kind of huge leap, which I do not see, uh, especially in Wiggins' case. This team is what it is. Like this is this is the best it's gonna be. <laughs> and if this is the best it's gonna be for Minnesota right now, uh, on top of Jimmy's precarious future, uh, this is this is not a good sign at all. I mean, this is why Tibbs so desperately. You mentioned that Denver game; they desperately need to make the playoffs. Can you imagine if they fall all the way out? Oh my gosh! Like yikes. Uh, so there are a lot of questions around that team. There was so much hype around them to start the year, and now it's just it's like this. This everybody's waiting for doom to to fall. I mean, Jimmy's coming back at some point. I think uh, uh, in the next you know couple games here, that's great. But Jimmy's coming back off of a, men- a meniscus injury, and he's going to have a minutes limit. He, he can't go out and play forty four minutes here. Uh, so. There are there are way too many questions uh, and and very few answers for a group that was supposed to take that proverbial next step this season and it hadn't happened. Well, and I, I gotta say though the on, the only the only pushback I'll give you there is that if if Jimmy Butler was healthy, the Wolves would be the third best team in the West. No, throughout the season, I don't think so though. And that, but I mean, there. I guess I I agree with you that they they haven't taken quite the steps it, that we would have thought, but. There's, they, they were in third when Jimmy got hurt, and they're still only four out of third now. I mean, I think yeah. they would have been four games better with Jimmy Butler healthy. Well, know? that gauntlet of the – it was like an eight-game stretch where they had eight straight games with teams uh, that were 500 or better. Right. And if Jimmy's around, yeah, I mean, I think they win maybe one or two more, uh, and maybe they don't lose <laughs> to Memphis at home, which yeah. is – but I'd, I'd put that as like the worst loss of the year for any team. And that, that was an incredible loss, but uh, I, you know, this is this is the issue here is because uh, I haven't I haven't believed in what I've been seeing from that team, and so even if you say okay, well they they would have finished in the third slot or the fourth slot, I can only speak for myself, but I wouldn't have picked them in the first round uh, because they the issues that they've been having all year are the same issues that they have uh, at this point. And the, the biggest one to me is that they don't play defense. That team does not play defense. That was with Jimmy. And that was with a healthy Jimmy Butler. They don't play defense. So when you have a team that doesn't play defense with Tibbs, who uh, by all accounts through the years is a great defensive coach, that is a 
That's a fatal flaw. I mean, that is something that'll get you knocked out in the postseason. So either way, I mean, uh, this this year was as good as it was going to be because nobody knows exactly what Jimmy's going to decide to do. Uh, and and for it to be ending the way it is is a real red flag, uh, I think, for Minnesota. Is there any chance Tibbs isn't the coach next season? I, I'd be stunned. I mean, I, if they don't make the playoffs, yeah, I think that might be in play, but I'd be stunned uh, because if you're Tibbs, you say, well, I lost my best player for a month and a half. Uh, and if you're Glenn Taylor, you you pay Tibbs a fortune to be, of course, not only the coach, but the basketball czar uh, of that team. So I'd be really, really surprised. But, Timmy, you and I have been around this stuff long enough to know that anything is possible, especially when expectations get involved. And the expectation for Minnesota this year was not just, hey, let's go to the playoffs. Because that's cool, and they hadn't been there. They haven't been there now in 14 years. Great. So maybe they get to the playoffs here with a couple more wins. The expectation for that team was to get through at least the first round with all the talent they have or supposedly had on that roster. And I I just I don't see any chance of that right now so long as those top two or three teams, the Houstons, Golden States, Portlands, stay healthy over the course of the next couple of weeks here. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. It's going to be interesting to see. And let, let's wrap up quick with the team you're going to go see tonight at the uh, the epic Hornets-Bulls clash. Mm-hmm. Uh, has this season been a success for the Bulls or not? Ooh, good question. Good question. I would still say yes. <laughs> I, I actually think it has been. I, I think it's been an unqualified success, actually. I, I, yeah, I, I would say yes. And, and let's walk through a couple of the reasons why. I, I think that Lowry Markkinen is even better than anybody thought he could be. I, I, I think that's unequivocally true. Uh, and and he has been, uh, you know, getting better. I, the back issues uh, would would give me some some cause well, for concern. Well, I also and I, let's let's just let's just be real, right? I think some of this injury stuff. I'm not going to say it's fake news, but I do oh, yeah. think it is. Oh, Larry, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> oh, Larry, you feel a little off? Okay, let's take a seat for an extra game. You know, this no is question. like what this is like when, hey, Lowry, uh, you just had a kid. That's great. Congratulations. Yeah, I know the first flight of the day got canceled. Uh, we should make sure that you don't rush yourself back here to Sacramento for this game against the Kings that we could win. Uh, how about you stay back and, you know, not worry about getting on the next flight and right. just hang out. Oh, with yeah, that was a good set. one. That was a good one. Uh, I mean, oh, Tim, you, you, I mean, the amount of stuff that we could put together as far as all, not just the Bulls, all these teams just finding different ways to to ride that tank wave. Uh, look, I, I, as far as marketing goes, the, the back issues, yeah, especially the last couple months, I wouldn't worry about that. But even in the beginning of the year, he was having some, you know, sitting out some practices or missing oh, yeah. a game no, or two. For sure, for sure. Uh, it just, it's just something to, to think about moving forward. But he has been really, really... Uh, solid, and he's going to get better. He's only 20 years old. The The issue for the Bulls, uh, and and I think they did a great job. They got lampooned for uh, the for, all, for for uh, for oh yeah for the Jimmy. I mean the, the Jimmy trade in in the grand scheme of of the of the league over time, the Bulls people are going to look back on the Bulls and they're going to say they made the, the right move uh, with where they were at, and they got back. 
plenty of talent, and I'd argue, especially if Jimmy leaves to me, Bulls won that deal. Oh, for sure. I mean, listen, you haven't mentioned Chris Dunn yet. Chris Dunn has been good for the Bulls this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and what I was going to say, like, as far as deals go, uh, you know, the Bulls fans are so angry still. They're like, oh, if the Bulls hadn't won those, uh, went on that stretch with Nico, won those eight games, like... Uh, they they'd be uh, they'd have a top three pick. Okay, the counter argument and flip side to that is, if Nico doesn't play his ass off uh, and and really really lead them during that stretch, they're never getting a first round pick back. No, and, and getting a first round pick back for him is a huge win. A huge win in and it, New and Orleans listen, could listen, still fall right. all the way out. I mean, that pick a, a couple weeks ago, that pick looked like it might be twenty. Right now, that pick would be, I want to say, 17. I'm looking right now at the standings. They're, I think right right now, I think it'd be 18. But a, a week ago, it looked like that could be in the, you know, early 20s. And, you know, to me, there, there's, there, you know, the, if Denver wins, Denver is, you know, tonight, you know, Denver, like I said earlier, Denver plays uh, Indiana and New Orleans. No, New Orleans doesn't play today. But, you know, they're only going to be... You know they're going to be a half game behind New Orleans. You right. know, in New Orleans, you know New Orleans has some soft games here, but I mean that's they're going to have a they're going to have the potential. They've lost four in a row. They could miss the playoffs. If they miss the playoffs, then that pick is 13-14, and the Bulls can get you know two lottery picks, which is a, you know a huge boon for them. And and while we're on that topic, this is something else that uh, you got to consider with them in the next couple months. They could use those two picks if there's somebody that they love. Towards the top of that draft. Right, to try to get up higher. Exactly. Or or if it's done, you know, whatever. We're going to find out if the Bulls are married to done long-term here soon because if there's uh, a point guard or somebody else that they love, they could use him uh, as a chip to try to, to get up uh, even higher in the draft. The, the only concerning thing about this season to me, Timmy, for the Bulls, I'm not sold on Zach Levine. I, I just, I don't, I don't see it. I do not see it. Uh, with him as far as being like a cornerstone to your franchise for years to come. Uh, the knock on him coming uh, into Chicago was that he's not a very good defensive player. And while I think there's there's been some strides or some possessions that you could look at and say, okay, yeah, he's trying on the whole. I still don't think he's a good defensive player. And offensively, uh, it just doesn't seem like he and Dunn have a rhythm. Maybe they can develop it over time, maybe not. But the key here, just we've mentioned, you know, it's all coming full circle. You mentioned Jabari Parker. He's a restricted free agent. So is Zach Levine. And the Bulls are on record, and Levine is on record, having said, we're going to stay together. You know, everybody wants to be here. If I'm the Bulls, Timmy, I am, I'm not paying Zach Levine, uh, you know, much more than maybe $12 million. And even then, even then, I'm going, eh. You know, I because I, I'm not sold on him as a, a piece anymore. And it's like the, you know, Jabari Parker, I would be sold on him as a piece, but he's had two ACL injuries. Zach Levine's had one, uh, but I would take Jabari as a player over and over over Zach Levine. Uh, I just, I'm not buying uh, that he's a guy that they're going to be able to count on. Uh, and I know he's coming back off the ACL I, and, you know, they shut him down. He's not playing anymore this year. Okay, fine. But this is this is a very scary time for the Bulls because the last thing you want to do as a team that actually has a ton of cap space 
uh, into the future is lock up a guy that you're not sure on completely. So that contract negotiation or or whether he gets an offer from somewhere else, that is very important to their future. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be, uh, you know, his free agency this summer is going to be very interesting. I mean, he's a 23-year-old guy who has pr- shown to be a good three-point shooter that has some explosion that can score, uh, but has defensive issues. And uh, as I look it up now while you were talking, uh, the Bulls are getting outscored by 13 points per 100 possessions with him on the court this year. So, oh, uh, and he, you know, and have a defensive rating of 114.8 with Zach on the court, which is by far the worst of anyone on the team. So... You know, it's a small sample size. He's coming off a knee injury. They've been, you know, really actively leaning into the tank over the last couple months since he came back, which I think is fair to to mention is, you know, some mitigating circumstances. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, like you said, you have to go into the summer and pay this guy a lot of money. And it's it's not like it's a surefire, you know, hey, we should feel great about paying him. Uh, You know, I think it could be a, you know, a pretty contentious negotiation between the two sides trying to find a number that the Bulls are comfortable giving him. I, I agree with you, and I think it's going to set up uh, not only this year but the next few years because if you're committing to Levine and you're committing to Levine with huge money, oh, boy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, oh, boy. I, I'm, I just haven't watched this year. Uh, I'm not seeing it, uh, and I would be terrified if I were Garden Pax. Uh, if, if you get another team that swoops in with a mega offer because they're kind of caught, Timmy, here. They they deal Jimmy, one of the best players in the league, and and the centerpiece at that time was Zach Levine. Right. And Zach Levine's reps know that, and they if they can get some kind of offer from somewhere else, they are really going to put the Bulls in a bad place. So if you're the Bulls, maybe you 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 do as best you can to get this thing done uh, before it even gets to that point. But also, if you're the Bulls. And this is the issue. If if Levine's uh, reps are saying, "Hey, look, this is what we want," <laughs> and the Bulls are like, "There's no way, go get it from somewhere else," uh, then man, it's going to be an intriguing summer for their future. Really, really is. So, oh, and one one final thing, which I forgot to ask about. Uh, you just did a fun story with Marcus All where he was cooking salmon, and uh, and I was just <laughs> I was just curious if you. Uh, Wanted to share any thoughts on on doing that? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed being with Mark. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, talking to him. We went to a Whole Foods and and went shopping for a little bit. And he said he goes once or twice a week. But you know, Timmy, all these people have all, all kinds of basketball fans have seen those old pictures of of Marcus in high school, and he was gigantic. I mean, he was three hundred and fifty plus pounds, uh, and for him to to not only lose the weight, but it was a lifestyle change. Right. Uh, he said, I was going to McDonald's all the time. I was eating burgers and milkshakes, and I wasn't taking care of my body. What I found most interesting was that he, he said that he did it for his kids. Once he started, he's got two young children. Once he started having kids, he said, I want to be around for them. I, I want to uh, to grow old with them. So uh, it was it was really cool to see not, not only an NBA player go cook salmon and make vegetables and chop them up. I mean, he had me, he had me chopping up vegetables in his kitchen. I told him this is the first time I've seen vegetables in a few years. And he's kind of <laughs> giving me that look like, all right, well, time to work on it, buddy. And I'm thinking, yeah, but, uh, it was an enjoyable day and I think it's been very difficult for him. Uh, and I, I don't know, uh, if all basketball fans fully appreciate, I mean, Marcus Gasol moved to Memphis with his family when Powell uh, came up with the Grizzlies. 
This is 17 years ago. I mean, he's been in Memphis uh, a long, long time, and it's been difficult for him in this year sometimes to even go out and, and have the same interactions because he's kind of embarrassed. He admitted it at how awful they've been this season. So right. uh, he, I think he, he really uh, has been embraced by the Memphis community and appreciates the love he gets. But uh, this year for the Grizzlies upcoming is huge because – uh, you know, if you get Conley back and Marcus Gasol is feeling good and you get a, a solid draft pick in, you know, maybe you can turn it around pretty quick. But if they, they start to really unwind here and this is a, a multi-year rebuild on the horizon, I'm curious to see what Mark will decide to do, you know, moving forward, whether, whether he wants to stay in Memphis where he loves or whether he'll look to go elsewhere at that point. Yeah, no, it, it is a really interesting situation. I, I was curious, did people, like, what did, was there any reactions from people when you guys were in Whole Foods? Like, I mean, it's, it's not like Memphis is a huge town to begin with. I mean, is, right. was there, were, were people coming up to him or kind of like, what are you doing here when they saw him? I mean, was there any of that? Or <laughs> with, did... all the, with all with this, with this random guy in a blazer and a camera crew following oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, you know what? I was even thinking about that part with the camera crew there, too. Like, um, yeah, I mean, was it was there was it kind of a, an event when he showed up or did people give him space and kind of let him do his own thing? That was one of the coolest parts to me is that he's been there so long. And I'm, very clearly, he's been going to the same Whole Foods for <laughs> for years right that yeah i mean there were a couple second glances and he took a few selfies with people which he was happy to do but for the most part timmy they just let him do whatever he wanted to do i mean that i were walking up to the salmon counter here's a here's an example the 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 fish side of the uh the market and and the guy behind the counter is a really nice guy and he just goes hey mark what's up how's it going and you're thinking he must see him once or twice a week when they're in town. I mean, it was just like it was like another neighbor who was there to prepare his uh, his meal for his family for the night. And that was one of uh, Gasol's uh, most intriguing quotes to me. He said, they don't know me as Mark Gasol here. They know me as Mark because he's been there so many years uh, and been such a staple of that community. So, uh, you know, it that part of it. People get so focused on, oh, the Grizzlies stink. They're terrible. You know, I get it. I get it. But it's another reminder of the impact that, uh, you know, some of these athletes can have on these cities, especially the small market cities. Uh, you know, we, we, we started the podcast talking about Giannis, and he is beloved in Milwaukee. Uh, Marcus Gasol is beloved in Memphis. When you go out and you dominate for, for a town and you work hard, they're going to remember you and they're going to appreciate what you've done. And I, I know that this season, especially with the Fizdale stuff, it hadn't worked out uh, the way he would have wanted it to. But to see those kind of moments is pretty cool because uh, I know uh, that it means a lot to him to have represented that place on the NBA map for such a, uh, a long time. Yeah, no, he, I think, like you said, I, I don't think most people know, um, know about the, the, the how long that connection is with um with, with Mark in Memphis and I, I do think it will be harder for him than maybe a lot of guys in his spot to um to to change to change teams at this point and I think his you know the the next year or two in Memphis with him and Mike Mark Mike Conley both I think are going to be fascinating because I don't I don't think that team is going to be good regardless and um you know I think it's also fair to wonder if if Mark just isn't very good anymore when you see the 
the drop he's had this year. I mean, some would, yeah. some would argue it's, he, you know, got, you know, understandably, uh, you know, understandably down about the situation with the, uh, you know, with the, with the Grizzlies and how bad they've been. But I mean, his, you know, his, his numbers are down across the board. He's only shooting 42%. Um, you know, his de- the defense looks worse. I mean, it's, it's been, it's been a rough year. So I, I'm curious to see, um, I'm curious to see how, you know, how they look with a potential top pick on their team and, you know, and those guys, I mean, can they turn things around? I mean, it, it's, you know, plus they have the whole ownership situation there. I mean, it, there's there's a lot of a new coach potentially. I mean, there's a lot a lot of stuff happening in Memphis that's going to be interesting to uh, to follow over the next year or so. They've got a ton of questions, but you know what? <laughs> so do a ton of other teams. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as and as we uh, as we as we wrap all this up, the key here now is, you know, the, the playoffs will be fascinating and, and we'll see where all these different teams land and what happens with the Warriors, Rockets, etc. This draft, Mr. Bontemps, is so massive for so many franchises, you know, and it always is. Every year it always is. It's a way to, to jumpstart, uh, you know, the, the direction of your team. But there are so many uh, really talented players at the top of this draft that, I mean, the, it, you, you just can't mess up. You cannot mess up this year's pick uh, because there there's a chance to get uh, a guy or multiple guys in here that can really help you get on the right track and get and get you on the right track quickly. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, it's 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 going to be fascinating to see. So, all right, man, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, you got let it. people know where to follow you, and uh, if you got anything else coming down the pipe. Uh, Coming down the pipe, like uh, like the Gasol story. Anything else coming up here soon? Yeah, check out the uh, the Gasol story at ESPN.com. I mean, I'm working on a couple other things. I've been uh, writing a story on Bobby Portis uh, that should be appearing here soon. You know, Bobby had that awful exchange with Nico Miritich to get in the fight, and Bobby gets suspended for eight games. But you know, under the radar here in the grand scheme of the NBA, Timmy, he's had a hell of a year. <laughs> Bobby Portis off the bench for the Bulls has had a really solid year. You remember so. back in back in October when that happened, people were saying that the Bulls should cut him. You yeah, know, the Bulls yeah, should, the Bulls should just get rid of him. And yeah. he and he's he's really he's really had a really nice year for them. Uh, so he's bounced back nicely, and uh, you know he uh, he's gonna. That's another. We're talking about Zach Levine and what the Bulls do. Bobby Portis is gonna get paid here too. Uh, and I think he wants to stay in Chicago, but he's gonna. He has made himself a lot of money, uh, so I'm looking forward to that uh, story coming out here at some point in the next week or so. And uh, look, there there's gonna be plenty going on in the playoffs, so I am sure you and I will cross paths a few times. I certainly hope so. Get some uh, get some sleep, man. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. <laughs> you got it. All right, thank you to Nick for doing the podcast. Really appreciate it. Be sure to go find his work on Twitter at Nick Friedel. Go to ESPN.com, look up his stuff. I'm going to have a link to the Gasol story in the in the podcast, uh, you know, blog post that goes with it. Nick does a great job, as you can tell by his laugh. He's really fun, great dude. Uh, really appreciate him doing the podcast. Uh, thank you to all of you, as always, for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. Find me on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA. Find me in the pages of the Washington Post or on our website at washingtonpost.com slash sports. Please support Glenn Yoder in the Western States. Uh, they they do the theme music for the podcast. Uh, they have a band. They do great stuff. I've seen them in concert. Glenn's the NBA editor of the Post. 
Uh, big Mass fan, uh, good dude. Go support them and what they do. Go check out our other podcasts. Uh, Can you do that? Constitutional, which is wrapped up. Uh, Letters from War, which is cool. Uh, we've got new stuff coming out all the time. Really excited about the future in terms of what we're doing in podcasting. Go to washingtonpost.com slash podcast to find that. Um, you know, Go to iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else you find the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review. That really helps as well. Um, so thanks again to everybody for listening. We'll be back again on Friday with another podcast. But until then, thanks for stopping by. We'll talk to you all again soon.